We've all seen the incredible horse and rider combinations as the backbone of our sport. But what about everything else that makes the equestrian world tick? From the everyday grind to the world-class professional, join the Equestrian Podcast as we talk about every equestrian discipline in a way that hasn't been done before. Now here's your host, rider, trainer, and influencer behind my equestrian style, Bethany Lee. Hey, welcome back to the Equestrian Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Lee, and this is episode 71. I am so excited to share this episode with you because this is a rider that I have so much respect for. She is the daughter of philanthropist Bill and Melinda Gates, and she has accomplished so much in her lifetime just at the age of 24. She is attending medical school. She is a top equestrian athlete, and she has so many pressures and expectations and big shoes to fill, and she does it with so much grace and so much poise, and I seriously appreciate her so much. So I wanted to take the time to really ask her the questions and kind of get into the nitty gritty of how she actually manages to juggle it all. And I also took a lot of questions that you have asked me that you wanted to know about her and she took the time to answer. So without further ado, let's welcome our guest, Jennifer Gates. I would love to kind of just jump right off the bat and find out how did you first get into riding? Absolutely. So when I was growing up, my parents wanted me to be exposed to just about every sport and activity. So I did tap dancing. I tried basketball. I tried girls baseball and just really fell in love with horses when I went to take um, some lessons at a local barn with my childhood best friend and the rest is history. Wow. So you found this barn and started taking lessons. And then what did that look like? Yeah. So I started by learning how to tack up, how to groom. I was tiny at the time and um, they had these lovely school horses. Um, I remember his name was Leo. He was a chestnut. He must've been a part quarter horse. He was a little bit smaller, but learned how to tack up, tried to canter for about a year, fell off yeah. every time, Perfect. Um, <laughs> but was still encouraged to keep going, keep trying. Mm-hmm. Um, And eventually I told my parents, this barn was about 45 minutes away from my house. And I told them I wanted to start riding three to four times a week. So I found somewhere that was a little bit closer called Parkside Stables, where I really started my career and then was also linked up with the towels who were super influential in getting me into the big sport. Amazing. So cool. So once you started riding a little bit more consistently and showing, what are some things that stick out in your head as far as your junior career and and ponies? What, what did that look like for you? So ponies, I was lucky enough to have great ponies that I was riding. I was not very experienced whatsoever. I chipped around a lot. Did pretty well in the under saddle classes because they moved nice. well. So that yeah, was yeah. helpful. And then I told, I told my trainers and parents I never wanted to do the jumpers. I thought it was too scary, too big. My plan was to quit after ponies. And Got it. Loved school. I wanted to really focus on my high school experience. And then I just, every step of the way, I just kept falling more and more in love with the sport. So I did a little bit of children's hunters. I did some junior hunters. And then I was like, why don't we try the jumpers? And when I started, I just loved it. And it took me a long time to climb up the ranks and feel confident at the higher level. But I think I was lucky enough to have great horses and great trainers and just love every step of the journey. Do you remember what that transition was like for you? Because I I mean, I think for a lot of people going from the hunters in the egg to the jumpers can be pretty intimidating. I mean, what was your first horse like? Was he a good transition for you? It was so intimidating. I had no idea how to go fast. I still feel like that's something I'm working on. (laughs) 
Um, but I loved that you could really get the horses to the base and not have to worry so much about how it looked or shape or anything that gave me the confidence to kind of branch out and kind of experiment with what worked for me. I was lucky enough to have some great horses that introduced me to that. I had a really little uh, guy named Pac-Man who was a great like meter jumper and just would go around and do anything that I asked him. And then one of my most special horses, Riverbird, uh, who I have now here retired with me. I got early on in my jumper career and I think she really gave me the confidence to believe in myself and start jumping a bit bigger. Totally. Oh, so cool. What were some challenges that you have faced in your riding career that you feel like I had to take a bit to overcome? Oh gosh. I mean, so many, I think everyone as a young rider struggles with confidence, at least for me personally, I did. I didn't feel like I knew how to see a distance. It took me a long time to figure that out. And I was really nervous of falling. I, you know, had friends that got into accidents and got hurt riding and was always just nervous when I walked in the ring. And I think that really impacted the way that I connected with my horses um, and performed. And that's still something that I struggle with today. But I think the more experience that I got and the more confident solid rounds in the ring, the better I felt about going in there and really just doing my best. Mm -hmm. And at what point were you thinking, you know, you were competing, you were doing more and more with the sport. At what point were you like, I think I want to make this a big part of my life? Uh, I think when I transitioned to Stanford, actually, so I was phasing out of my junior career, you know, I, I moved up to about 140 during my junior career, but was still really getting my feet wet into the jumpers. And as I went to Stanford, I thought, okay, is this a time where I take a break from the riding? Do I keep going? But I was lucky enough to have some great peers and mentors who had continued to ride throughout their undergraduate career. My fiance actually being one of them, we were just friends at the time. So I knew it was possible. And that's when I really thought about how I could integrate the sport into some of my bigger goals in life and just keep it going. How did you pick Stanford? So I picked Stanford. I mean, I was fortunate enough to tour a lot of great colleges. I picked Stanford because they have a great human biology program and I've always been interested in going into medicine. That's definitely wavered over time. I had moments where I doubted my abilities in undergrad, but I knew that I wanted to do something with humans um, and human biology. So it just seemed like a great fit for me. And I was fortunate to, to spend four years there. So cool. You did take a gap year, correct? In between? Okay. I did. So I took a gap year actually after I finished Stanford and before I started medical school. Okay. I um, chose not to take a gap year before Stanford. I was really excited to get started. Yeah. Cool. That's awesome. What brought on the gap year between schooling for you? Yeah. So I had been in school kind of my whole life, had gone through undergraduate, uh, was fortunate enough to be accepted uh, to the Icon School of Medicine at Mount Sinai through their Flaxman program. So I was admitted to medical school as a sophomore. Um, I had great faculty mentors who had recommended the program for me, given my interest in more holistic healthcare and looking at broader spectrum issues in the health system. And so when I did that, I realized that it was probably my last time to take a full year and just focus on the riding and see how I felt about doing it full time. I'd never really done that. So I took the year. I thought about taking two years, but was just really excited about starting med school. So what do you feel like that riding did for you physically with riding, emotionally, mentally, as you prepared to go back to school? What was that like? It did so much. So I had just started working with my current coach, Harry Smolters, around that time. And we really used the year to hone in on my skills, 
and develop a stronger base at the higher level jumpers. So I think that's made a huge difference for me as I've stepped back into school, having that base to go back to, even when I'm not in the saddle every day has been amazing. And then I think it just really helped me connect with my horses even more. I had more time to spend around the barn, learn about tack, learn about how they're taken care of. And so I think I have a greater appreciation for them after that year. Totally. What would a normal week look like for you? Let's say leading up to a show at the end of the week. So, um, a normal week. So every week is different. Yeah. Um, right. <laughs> constantly feel like I'm juggling my calendar, which is great. It's, I love having two passions that I'm really excited about one being medical school and learning about the human body and the other being the riding. So a typical week preparing for a show would look like pre pandemic. I'm typically in school Monday through Thursday or Friday in New York City, touching base with my team at Everglades Stables about how the horses are feeling, but not there every day. And then usually flying out on Thursday or Friday and spending the weekends competing and then also simultaneously taking any exams that we have over the weekends. Gotcha. So, I mean, there's chunks of time where you're you're a weekend warrior. Absolutely. No, I'm... I feel like such a weekend warrior now, and I really love it. I think it takes a really strong team behind you to be able to do that, and I'm super fortunate um, that I have those people that I can lean on and trust, but it's great to be able to continue the sport no matter what, no matter whether you're doing it professionally or doing it as a hobby. I think the horses are just so calming and wonderful, and I love it. What would be some tips you have for your fellow weekend warriors that are trying to, you know, juggle work or school with their passion of riding? Well, I think for anyone who's trying to do that, it's all about being flexible. Every week is going to look different. And there are going to be weeks when you feel overwhelmed balancing two things. And I think really having a team behind you that you can trust um, to be looking after the horses, whether that's a barn that you're affiliated with or one groom or just someone that you can be like, okay, I know my horses are in good hands. And when I show up, they're going to be healthy and happy. I also think it's important to have weekends where you're not competing. If you're doing something full-time during the week to just go and be with your horses and not be competing every weekend. Yeah, that's good advice for sure. You mentioned your schedule pre-pandemic. Obviously, things have changed for everyone. How have you had to pivot because of everything going on? Yeah, so it's been a huge change for everyone. And I think there's still, just with not knowing enough about the disease yet, there's a lot of uncertainty for people. And I feel that myself. Um, As a big planner, trying to do a lot of things, I feel like I'm always wanting to look five steps ahead. Um, And this pandemic has really made me slow down and just honestly live week by week, which is pretty different. It's different than what I'm used to, but I think that I've learned to just be really present with myself and go where my energy is every day. And some days that's more, some days that's less with the riding and workouts and, and research as well. Yeah. I was able to continue online school. So that was more challenging for um, people who've lost jobs. I I really just, yeah, can't imagine. Absolutely. I'm super goal-oriented. My guess is you are also. How has that changed what your schedule looks like in the next year or two as far as like big picture goals? Absolutely. So, I mean, I think my big picture goals have remained the same. I would love to continue growing in the sport and growing the new partnerships that I have with the incredible horses that I'm lucky enough to work with. I think that it 
all is really up in the air, especially with medical school, whether we continue in person or whether that timeline has changed. But I think the bigger picture goals or the values that kind of drive what I do have stayed the same. So I love learning. I love connecting with my animals, connecting with friends and family, um, and just staying open-minded. So that that all really hasn't changed, but definitely the day-to-day minutia is very different. Yeah. I feel like something that's been a big struggle is enjoying and appreciating this time to give your horses rest. But then also in the back of your head, you're like at a week's notice, we could go to a show and you're supposed to be ready and fit and ready to do this. And so what have been some things or what's been your mindset with your horses and your day in and day out training with that? So I would have to agree. I think it's been incredibly challenging to know when we're going to start competing again, when it's going to be safe. And for everyone, that's a different decision, right? Um, Just based on your personal risk factors and what you're willing to do. Our philosophy has just been to really keep the horses in work, but my string is a bit older. So we've wanted to keep them consistently working, but not be too hard on them by any means, which we usually aren't at home. So they'll jump about once a week, either a small exercise or jump a small course. But yeah, just kind of waiting, waiting to see. Absolutely. Well, I did pull my audience and they had a lot of questions for you. (laughs) A lot of them were around your horses. So I'd love for you to give a rundown of a little bit about your horses. Absolutely. So I guess I'll start our oldest to youngest. So my a horse that I've had for a long time, Pumped Up Kicks, who I was lucky enough to get from Lily Keenan about five years ago. He's 17 now, the freshest horse in our barn, still feels amazing. So we keep him in, in light work and he's just been a wonderful, he was the first horse that I jumped, you know, one meter 50, meter 60 on, and he will always have a special place in my heart and a place in our barn. So he's a blast. And then I also have Alex who is 16 now. He was my under 25 championship horse at awesome. um, the national horse show. And he's sweet as can be. He is also still in work, just kind of waiting to see what happens. And then I have my two stallions. So Capital Colnardo, who I've had for about two years now, wonderful and very sassy and opinionated. And then Derry, who's new. Uh, so we're still getting to know him, but he's lovely to have in the barn. I think he's a favorite with, with our staff. He's just super sweet and lovely to ride every day. Yes. I had quite a few people wanting to know about him. What is he like? Does he have a big personality or a, a differing personality, whether he is at home or at the shows? I actually don't know because I've never taken him to the show. So that'll be exciting to see how he changes. Harry and I were speaking about that recently. I feel like I know him so well at home and he's a very straightforward, lovely horse. So we were talking about how he'll change at the shows, but yeah, Yeah. he's pretty laid back. He definitely gets attached to his neighbors. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's friends with Alex right now, but just easygoing, doesn't bite, doesn't really doesn't do anything wrong. That's awesome. Obviously you have two stallions in your lineup. How does that change the dynamic at the barn or are you particularly riding them any differently than the others? What does that look like for you? That's a great question. So I think that first off having stallions requires a really good team um, around you to manage them and make sure that they're, you know, staying in line. Uh, So I'm lucky to have that great group of people here. And then Colnardo is a bit more of a stallion than Derry. So he has a stall that's a little bit separated from the other horses, but he loves to peek his head out when I'm working the other ones in the ring and, and see what's going on. So I think every stallion is different. Derry and Cody Colnardo are so different, but we definitely have to use a little more leg with Colnardo, tell him when it's time to go. Yeah. Cool. Who would you say is your biggest inspiration within the community that has affected how you work your program? 
I would have to say Harry, Harry Smolders. He is just an incredible horse person. Every one of his programs is super individualized to what the horse needs. He really listens to them and takes his time. He's very slow and methodical with how a horse is moved up so that they can succeed. I've learned so much from him and I would say our program is really based on on his philosophy. Yeah, I feel like two things you mentioned. Slow is something that's very rare in the industry to find someone who really takes the time. And um, individualized is another because when you really think about it, it makes so much sense. Each horse has such a different personality and requires such unique care that really kind of taking that individualized approach makes so much sense. Totally. And I think even I tend to be an impatient person. I'm like, let's, you know, go to the show. It's right. And he's like, no, no, this is, you know, we'll, we'll do this height one week and this height the next week. And he's always thinking about the longer term goals uh, and growing the partnership and what's fair to the horse. So I really appreciate that. Hold that thought because I want to take a minute to talk to you about our sponsor. Alexa Fairchild is a lifestyle brand with a strong individual vibe channeled through iconic and timeless pieces that inspire freedom of expression, individuality, and the pursuit of adventure. This Made in Italy brand incorporates unique elements from their deep roots in the equestrian world into each garment and is curated with unique treasures sourced from around the world to create this seasonless and elegant collection. Deeply interlaced with their lifestyle project is the concept of their Freedom Tribe, a dynamic vision to connect like-minded, risk-taking, and fearless dreamers through travel, adventure, lifestyle, and dreaming. Head over to alexafairchild.com or check them out on Instagram at alexa.fairchild.official to be inspired. Thank you so much, Alexa Fairchild. All right, let's get back to the episode. Obviously, with a full schedule and things that are going on in life right now, how have you managed to handle stress or mental health during this time? I mean, I think for everyone, this is such a huge change. And I am no expert uh, by any means on how to handle mental health in the pandemic. And I look to great resources for that. But I think for me, the biggest thing has been sleep. I know for me, if I don't sleep well, I don't show up for classes, for learning, for riding well. So, really focusing on that is kind of my first pillar of health. And then also just making time for movement. I find riding to be really calming and wonderful, but also going for long walks, using that time to check in with friends and family that you're maybe not seeing as frequently has been something that's really filled up my tank. Yeah, definitely. You said long walks. What are you doing for cross-training or staying fit when you're not riding? It varies over time. I think I've tried a lot of different things. I keep coming back to Pilates, whether that's uh, Matt Pilates. I used to do Reformer Pilates when I was uh, at Stanford. I had a great studio that I loved. So anything that kind of keeps your core active and keeps you flexible as well. I love a good yoga Pilates blend. And then also trying to blend in some cardio, whether that's running or walking or spinning. Uh, But it changes every week. And I think particularly right now, I'm trying to listen to my body and my mind and see just what feels good to me. Because for everyone, that's going to look different. And every week, it's going to look different. And our lives are changing so much. So it's a good time to just touch base with yourself and see what feels good to you. Absolutely. Yep. So how would you say that your parents' role in society has impacted you as you are going into the medical field in your professional life, but then also your equestrian life? So I think firstly, we all know I was born into an incredibly 
privileged situation. It allows me to ride at the level that I do and go to school. It would not be possible for me to do that. And so I'm just super grateful for their support. I think that as people who were both in computer science and have gone into philanthropy, they're interested in a lot of different things and they're constantly learning. So they've encouraged me to really broaden my horizons and keep my interests broad. And then yeah, in medicine, I think there are people that think about health and greater well-being and how do we help everyone, everyone's life has equal value. So how do we help people achieve their potential and live healthy lives? And that's definitely a guiding principle and something that inspires me every day. That's, yeah, that's a great point. Do they come and watch you show often? They do. Um, they're super great fans of the sport. Um, when they can make it, they'll come see me in person. And if not, I always send them the live stream links and they'll try and tune in. Uh, I think they see what a good thing horses can be for so many people. Absolutely. Great. Something I always ask all of my guests is if there is an area of the industry that you are particularly passionate about, that you feel like the rest of the industry either doesn't talk a lot about or doesn't know a lot about. Yeah, that's a that's a great question. I'm sure people have so many different responses to that. I, I think for me, something that I have thought a lot about, even when I was a junior and I was really young, is my horses and their long-term care, so retirement and end-of-life care. I think that everyone who buys a horse or leases a horse has a responsibility to think about where that horse goes after their time with it, whether that's retirement or selling to a responsible owner and keeping tabs on those animals because they play such an important role in our lives. And I think we owe it to them to give them the love and care that they deserve forever. Absolutely. It's definitely something that I feel like doesn't get talked about all that much. And I think that like what you were saying, that should be a part of the initial conversation when first having that horse be part of your life and part of your program that you do look at the long term and and maybe they're ready to retire or maybe you're moving up or moving in a different direction that they're continue to be cared for. Totally. I think that was one of the first things that I told my parents when we started doing this. It's like, I have to make sure that they all end up with good people. And I just actually retired one of my good horses. Uh, one of my first horses, Riverbird, I had her Aww. retired in Kentucky for a few years, but I just moved her up to our stable here. And it's just a pleasure. Honestly, I know people say they like jumping and I'm sure some of them do, but to see them out in a field, uh, with or without other horses, just in nature, like they love that. And and I think they give us so much. They deserve, deserve the grass fields when it's their time. Absolutely. Yeah, totally. Tell me a little bit about when you are going to be jumping your horses around or schooling at home, preparing for getting them ready for the ring. What are some of your favorite exercises you like to set up at home? Harry really dictates the exercises that we set up. So I've learned a lot from him. He really likes to do poles in front or behind the jumps, obviously with enough space to give them room, but just to to help our eye kind of look for the pole and rather than the jump itself. Mm -hmm. So we like doing that. Occasionally we'll jump a small course, but we keep it really simple. Most of my horses are pretty well-trained. And so it's just sometimes reminding me or reminding them about what our job is when we go in the ring. Totally. And then if there are moments in in your life, like right now, if you would be at school all week and then 
hopping over to a show on the weekends. And let's say if there's any sort of struggle with seeing a distance with that time off, it can be like a little nerve wracking, like, oh my gosh, I hope my eye is good. What are some things that you do maybe mentally or things that you help to prepare that you can't necessarily get in a bunch of rides during the week to help you get ready for showing on the weekend? I love when I have, so when I'm in school, usually my main focus is school, but I'm always, I feel like as horse people, horses are always kind of in the back of your head. You're always kind of thinking about your last (laughs) round or how it's going. And sometimes I'll go and watch old videos. I find that to be really helpful of my rides. But then also when you get to show at some point, I'm like, this is what I'm doing for fun. If I mess up, I mess up. And as long as everyone's safe and happy, I think the more that you, that I focus on making a mistake, the more likely I actually am to make a mistake than if I just go with the flow and, and trust that, trust that I have the experience and the knowledge and that just give it my best. Yep. Absolutely. What is one of your favorite horse show venues? Oh gosh. I mean, there are so many beautiful ones that have done a great job. I really love Thunderbird horse show up in Langley, BC. Uh, the team up there does a wonderful job where always feel well accommodated and welcomed and they have this beautiful grass field and it's close to home as well for me so I have fond memories of family and friends coming up to watch there are there certain horse shows that you feel like you walk into the ring and you get super nervous do you not really get nervous at shows what is that like for you I get so nervous at shows. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Spruce Meadows for sure is one of those shows for me. I have gone there for many years and had some success last summer, but every time I walked into that big ring, it's like, where am I? Where's my trainer? How am I going to know what I'm doing? I forgot um, my course. <laughs> I forgot my course. Which direction do I turn up? And, um, so, yeah. um, so that's one of those venues for me. Yeah. Awesome. What are some things you do to try to calm yourself down? So trying to calm myself down, I try and meditate in the mornings. Um, I don't have a strict schedule with myself. Like I have to do it every day, but that's often something I find that when I take a few minutes just to focus on my breath and relax, I end up feeling better. And before a show, I used to be someone who was always working or doing my flashcards or, and I've learned to just take a few minutes for myself before I get on the horse to really refocus. And then when I get on taking a few minutes to check in with them and see how they're feeling. And I think the most magical thing about riding is you're working as a partnership. It's this total dance. And so if you're connected to them, it's this super cool symbiotic relationship that Sometimes I think it doesn't take much thinking at all. It's a lot more feeling. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Jen, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the podcast and chatting with me. It was so fun. And from one redheaded equestrian to another, I wish you all the best. Thank you, Bethany. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. All right, that is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please take a minute and write a review on iTunes. I would so appreciate it. It helps people like you find the podcast and it helps me get some killer guests. Thank you so much and I will talk to you next week.